Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the B2B Revenue Vitals podcast. I'm your host, Chris Walker. Gosh, we're about to get into a really deep, deep episode covering all the different details of Connected TV. Uh, the team at Refine Labs has been experimenting a lot with this channel with a variety of different customers. We get into targeting, budgets, creative requirements, you know, trends and insights that we see about what's working and what's not, what time formats to be in, what types of content that you can use. There is a lot in here. And I know a lot of specifically larger companies, but I think a lot of companies just considering overall that most of the budget and their digital spend being spent purely on Google and LinkedIn, that uh, Connected TV could potentially be a, a really good second uh, second or third channel for them. Um, but I don't want to understate the the really, really important creative details that are needed in order to be successful. And then lastly, toward the end, we got into a little discussion about the differences between, you know, my company Passetto and the company that I started five years ago, Refund Labs. And so there are some additional details toward the end that I think you'll want to wait around for just to create some clarity on what I'm trying to do, what the vision for the future is and how these two companies collaborate more together. So with that, hope you really enjoy this episode. Let's get into it. You're listening to Revenue Vitals with Chris Walker. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the B2B Revenue Vitals podcast. This is your host, Chris Walker, where we cover everything across go-to-market strategy, including digital demand, rev ops, strategy overall, analytics. Um, and today, I am thrilled we have a guest on the show. Uh, Matt Chanel is joining, our very own, a, uh, a director, senior director of Demand Gen now. Congrats, by the way, senior director of Demand Gen at Refine Labs. We're going to talk about Connected TV specifically. Matt has been running a lot of experiments on Connected TV and I'm personally just interested in learning more about what he's finding. And I know that people, the listeners, especially as we get more tactical, I think the listeners are really going to appreciate this one. But before we get into it, just want to do a couple of quick shout outs to Matt. So first off, I was on a call with a CMO just last week. They're a customer of ours. They're just getting some feedback and, and talking through their plan. And this person was just so overwhelmingly positive about Matt's impact on their business, about how he was able to come in so quickly and understand and really think holistically, not only about the advertising, but also about the product marketing and the messaging and the mechanics and a lot of the other things around it. And so Matt is a is a, a, a the lead on several of our top accounts. And Matt, looking forward to having you on the show, man. Let's get into this. Appreciate it, man. And yeah, yeah I just I'm just a marketer at the end of the day. I don't even think of myself as a demand gen marketer. So Hell yeah. I'm always happy to just boundary span and just dive into what's needed to get done for a client or anyone. I seriously matter. love that. I love that mindset. And I think that's the, the winning mindset for a marketer. We already got one real good takeaway straight away. We've only been doing this thing. You only said one sentence. Perfect. So uh, so let's get into it. Connected TV. There's some talk being around it. When I talk to CMOs, they're thinking about putting this in their plan. I don't think many realize the creative requirements in Connected TV are significantly different than the creative requirements to run a banner ad on a six cent and six cents display ad or to even put a picture in LinkedIn. Um, and so looking for and then also in the targeting, interesting to see what you find there, any trends. So um, first off, why don't you just give us a, a little bit of background about what you've been doing so far, the history of how you've been doing it, some key things that you've seen, then we'll take it from there. Sure. Yeah. So look, I've been interested in CTV for quite a bit as a as a channel choice. Um, I don't know, like th we're this is coming the same week that Hockey Stack State of B2B advertising came out. I, I can't not dismiss that as con as subtext for this topic because just I thought it was stunning 
that, you know, 46% of ad budget for B2B companies is going to LinkedIn, for instance. And that that's not to say I don't like LinkedIn as a channel, but my larger point about CTV in general is that there's just a resonance problem that exists around paid media. Static image creative is increasingly ephemeral. And as, as you see more companies doing LinkedIn ads, like creative is generally uninspiring. And there's other aspects like the creator economy, which makes it harder to stand out with media on platforms like LinkedIn. And then also, there's no mistake that LinkedIn is introducing all these different ad formats, thought leader ads. They have a CTV product now, right? And what's that intent? It's to diversify you away from static image creative. And so, and then AI is another uh, complicating factor in that as well. Like there, you can use tools like Midjourney to create static imagery. So I just feel the effort to stand out with static image ads, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, or any other channel, is increasingly difficult. And so what does that make as alternative options? I think Connected TV is one of the few frontiers where you can actually create original content for yourself, stand out, get gig distribution, and actually have people consume and understand your entire message. Yeah, some really great points in there and something that I alluded to early on. I think that uh, people that are considering connected TV or even those that are considering LinkedIn dramatically underestimate the uh, impact that the content and creative has on the overall um, and don't think about investing in the content and creative as part of the media spend. Um, this When we move out of Google and search, which is intent-based channels where someone searches something, shows intent, you buy an ad with text and you try and convert them off. But once you move out of that direct response advertising motion, which um, many of your uh, advertising investments should not be direct response, that the content and the creative is part, like one of the main indicators of whether you you uh, are successful or not. Um, right. And so when we look at the steps uh, in terms of LinkedIn specifically, you have B2B companies that primarily they would make one ad, they would build an ebook, and then they would run a lead gen form with the ebook. That's like phase one. Many companies are still doing that strategy on LinkedIn. Then you have the next strategy where you use single image ads. You try to build a higher volume of them. You run targeting. You go awareness to try and create demand, so to speak. And now we're almost talking about the third evolution inside of LinkedIn, which is volume of creative, different formats of creative, looking at different objectives overall. And then if you're there on LinkedIn, then I think it's potentially the right time to think about like a connected TV but just making sure that you can stand up the actual like video production to make a compelling 15 second video for connected TV, for instance. Um, so let's get more into the details on uh, connected TV specifically. Um, what are the, what are some of the tests that you've run so far? And we don't, obviously we have client confidentiality, so let's keep it high level, but yeah, um, yeah, not a yeah. problem. So, so one of the first things uh, I, I do with clients when I'm looking at CTV is like one of the first questions is, well, what creative do we run? And then how do we know it's the right creative, right? And so one of the first things that I'm usually doing with clients is like, well, let's run a test first on YouTube and let's test a few different creatives to figure out what is the most effective thing to do. Now, context here, you got to make sure that your creative is formatted correctly for the channel. So CTV is going to be 15 second and 30 second ad formats only, right? If you really want to see which YouTube creative performs best, you need to actually create six second and 15 second ad formats so you can get to non-skippable formats where people consume the whole message. That way you have a fair test essentially across, across the creatives and can really determine what performs best. So if you want kind of a low cost testing, uh, uh, just, just testing field to do something like that, YouTube's the first place you would start. Um, and you could do it with you know keywords or you can do it with retargeting. However it is you want to do it targeting-wise, just make sure it's evenly split. So that's the first thing we did as we figured that out. Um, in terms of the kinds of content that we're doing, like, look, 
the 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 clients I would or the the companies even let's take clients out of this discussion the companies I would recommend who run this like they have their POV and their story tight and it's proven like you know you can't just go run some unproven POV or message or an unconvincing POV on CTV and expect it to resonate so you know have have your POV and your narrative and your strategic narrative proven in other platforms like whether even if it's something like sales calls or or like landing page experience and like make sure you're getting Conversion rates resonating. People are people are figuring that out on on the calls that you're having, and you see that. So um, most of the ad formats we run are really kind of direct response style. It's the same thing you see on any um, streaming platform where you see a good advertisement that catches your attention, right? Good production quality. So usually, usually you see someone like the founder or the creator of the company on the like on the screen talking about talking about what it is they sell. And so I'm looking at a lot of like DTC products um, and essentially like what they do that's effective can you you know port that into like b2b tech or anything else of that nature um and if you can land that plane then yeah ctv is a really great fit for you overall the other thing is customer stories customer success stories they have performed really well for me generally speaking um on, on ctv uh, really, and if you have a variety of those, again, though, production quality matters. So investing in good audio, having quick cuts, good music overlay that matches your brand identity, like these, all these little components that kind of, you know, underpin a strong marketing organization matter when you're doing CTV. So if you're like early stage and you don't have these sorts of things figured out for yourself, you're really just running something and and you want to take a build the plane while you fly it approach to CTV. I think you're you're talking about a recipe for failure. You know, you gotta have traction on other performance marketing channels. You gotta have traction elsewhere in your organization before you simply layer something like CTV over it for uh for B2B for a B2B organization and expect it to resonate and work for you. I think it's such a key point that using advertising, especially when you're in like a demand creation investment should only be used when you have a clear message to a clear buyer that generates revenue. And the point mm -hmm. of advertising is to get a proven message out to a bunch of people that would otherwise not see the message straight away. Um, and so I cannot underpin that point enough. There's a lot of companies that come to me and say, Hey, our LinkedIn ads aren't working, our Google ads aren't working, you know, our Facebook ads are working. So we want to use connected TV, not recognizing that it's not the channel's fault. In those cases, if LinkedIn and Facebook aren't working for you, then connected TV definitely isn't going to work. And so yeah, and having the right progression and the right the right expansion strategy when it comes to your advertising. Yeah, and you need to go back to the lab, right? You kind of like is our is our product marketing good? Uh, is our content strategy complementing that well? Like, do we have traction on organic? Generally speaking, at all, you know. And if you don't, I just don't just don't feel like you're going to layer in a something like connected TV and and see it get much traction for you, generally speaking. I mean, I, I personally love the platform. I love the premium placement. I love, first off, how screen dominant you are, right? I mean, you're literally seeing your ad on a TV. There's a certain bit of ego involved in that, obviously. Like, you know, if your CEO sees, your, sees his company on TV, he's obviously super happy about that. But like, it's true though, it's screen dominant. You're, you're guaranteed for people to consume the entire message, right? And there's, so there's just like, like there's just things there's there's additive things you get from it that you don't aren't going to get from other ad channels in my opinion digital ad channels at least um that is going to capture attention and get people to understand completely what you do but it doesn't replace having 
really good product marketing, a really good POV, a really good strategic narrative, all the ingredients you need to make channels like that work, you got to have them or it's just not going to be worth the effort, in my opinion. Yeah, man. Let's talk about the direct response strategy specifically. I'm really <laughs> interested in this. So like what what's the CTA? How's the conversion? How do the analytics work? Yeah. So, I mean, look, the, the first thing it starts off with is like, you know, the person's kind of going into it talking about like the state of their industry, right? Like, you know, these people are treated unfairly. You know, you're basically creating tension across your ICP. And essentially, people are going to make a choice. I'm with this narrative or I'm not. And essentially, they talk about how we help even the playing field for X, Y, Z. And then, you know, learn more at this, you know, at, at this vanity metric or vanity URL that you create. But what we're really looking at is just lift across conversions and across all the kind of, you know, direct uh, direct traffic metrics that we kind of really care about uh, from an inbound standpoint. So, like, we're talk I'm talking and looking at, you know, looking at things in the CRM. Obviously, I'm looking at platform for it. And I'm also looking at cost effectiveness. And so that's another thing that I really like about CTV is it's a lot more cost effective than you would imagine. So uh, I got a couple of statistics here I can throw at you for this use case in particular that I can run. So for cold targeting on CTV, and I certainly think CTV cold targeting can have its limits, but $25 CPM, my retargeting CPM is at $23. On LinkedIn for this exact same audience, $93 CPM for cold targeting and $294 for CPM for retargeting. So you can get a sense a little bit of how much more cost-effective it can be with, again, a more resonating screen-dominant format. So that's kind of like the things that attract me have attracted me to the platform is it's a little more cost effective than I believe. It works just like regular ad buying inventory. So you're bidding on things just like anyone else. But because you're not uh, in a channel where people are spending 46% of their ad budget on it, you know, it tends to be a little more cost effective and a little bit more reach as a result. There was a time when almost every Google keyword was less than 10 cents a click. Mm -hmm. That's where yeah. I feel like that's where we are on connected. It's not as extreme, but I feel like that's where we are on connected TV. Those ads no, but it, it, could generally adopt them, right? They could have a general general CPM two hundred to five hundred dollars for C, uh, in the value of CPG brands and what they spend on television. So that money will come in. It's not just B two B companies that are competing, or just companies in your category that are competing on this advertising channel. So um, the bidding will get driven up through uh, migration and CPG and B two C brands as well. Awesome. Have you ever tried anything with a QR code? Like, I feel like that's a, a logical next step for a 30 second slot to have a QR code and have a little bit more granular tracking anything like yeah, that. Yeah, we weren't, we weren't worried about the QR code necessarily. Like we're, um, you know, I was, I was sitting there like the, the vanity URL is like a best practice that, that we've seen. Like the QR code is not something that I actually layered into my testing yet. To me, it's been more about different kinds of content formats, like different kinds of Customer stories. We we tried a couple of different products. Um, we tried a couple of different angles with um, ideal, like sort of the ideal customer profile, like younger ICP kinds of people, older ICP kinds of people. This uh, this this particular use case sells into a bit of a blue collar industry. So definitely trying different kinds of personalities to feature to see how that to see how that works. And that's been one of the things we've we've been wanting to experiment with. So we've seen fifteen second ad formats typically work a little bit better than thirty. Um, and then we've also seen uh, customer uh, customer success stories work a little bit better than some of the the product stuff. But I think it's really key to look at. I mean, it's 15 seconds and it's 30 seconds. You got to pay attention to every single second that is basically spent on that thing. So I mean, I've, I've really even this week I was looking really deeply into each of the things we've been running, and like when it's a it's a very sort of A to B path on the messaging and the ad, it does much better. But when you have clips where 
the subject matter expert or the person who you're trying to get to communicate on your company's behalf, if they tend to meander a little bit, you can kind of see sort of some of those performance marketing metrics that you're looking at drop off. So, you know, site visits or, or conversions or things like that. So it's not just even having great production quality, but it's really paying attention to every single word that gets said there to make sure that it's of value and that it's you know clearly communicating um, the thing that you wanted to communicate. And this is with the exact same, um, um, let's say, base piece of content, right? Like we took a long customer case study or, or customer uh, success story, which is about two and a half, three minutes. We made a 15 second version. We made a 30 second version. The 15 second version is performing much better. And part of it is because just the message is just way more clear and tighter, exactly. And the 30 second one in the middle of it, you know, the person starts meandering a little bit. So even those really small details in the in the content itself matter. And so I feel like that's just something to bear in mind when you're reviewing the first cut you get from your videographer, whoever's cutting it for you. Yeah. One more question that I want to get a little bit into the analytics. So like, let's say you're a hundred million ARR company. A lot of companies like that listen to this show. Those companies have, they have tons of gated PDFs. They have tons of customer testimonial videos and case studies on their website. They have a bunch of different landscape product marketing and product explanation. It feels like they have all the base content, but what then the, the exercise they need to go through is how do I repackage and transform that existing asset, which was not built for connected TV or that type of time slot, and repackage mm -hmm. those assets through video editing and content post-production to make them CTV ready. But the core is there. They don't need to go out like the core is there. Is that, Am I understanding that right? Oh, yes. I mean, come on. I mean, every every single thing I was recommending this company run for CTV was originally a YouTube video that was mm -hmm. just sitting on their YouTube channel. They were running YouTube ads on. And you just look at it and you're like, guys, this is so built for connected TV. I mean, if you could just think about when you're watching anything on, on television and you're looking at all these DTC companies doing connected TV ads, I mean, I, I use Roku personally. Um, and it's just like, this production quality is exactly the same. I don't see how you couldn't just repurpose this and run this on this format. Um, honestly, probably get your message resonate more. And I always just think about it through my own perspective. Like, what's the most impactful advertising I see? You know, I, I even just, just take my marketing hat off for a second. And normally it's, you know, YouTube retargeting, it's connected TV, it's podcast advertising. All of these things are things that people hate to do because I don't feel great about the targeting and it's a little bit difficult to track, right? But like, the, these are the things that if you just take off your hat as a executive or a marketer and you're just a, a human about it, these are the things you remember the most. I mean... I mean, I know us marketers all go gangbusters when we see great creative on LinkedIn, but like not everyone is selling to marketers or salespeople. You know, sometimes you're selling to owners of construction companies or HR leaders or other things like that. You know, like people they're not they're not plugged in like that. So yeah. you need creative to stand out on other channels where the message gets completely absorbed. There's a key learning in here that I want to highlight explicitly which is a lot of people think about content repurposing and perhaps they have a content repurposing strategy for thought leadership, but don't spend as much time on the content repurposing and distribution of product marketing assets or even buyer enablement assets. And there's tons of gold in there, the use cases pages, the solutions pages, the videos and graphics and animations that sit on those pages, the customer stories, the quotes you have on your homepage, there's so much gold in product marketing, sales enablement, buyer enablement type content that could quickly, for a, a mature company, quickly 
be repackaged and distributed in modern contemporary channels and get to customers without having them to get to your website in order to see this stuff. I think it's just a massive opportunity. I think people should be thinking a lot more in the content repurposing area, specifically for the product marketing content and all that stuff that's, that's created. Yeah, um, a thousand like the best, the best CTV ads I see are basically product marketing. I mean, I could think of examples from like uh, Truebill or Lumi or all these kinds of companies that I mean, product first all the time. Let's talk about targeting before we move to analytics. So, like, talk us talk us through how the targeting works. Um, what are the different options? What are the things that you found most effective? How does this mm -hmm. work? Uh, if you're, you know, big TAM million accounts versus we can only sell to these two thousand accounts, and how does those dynamics change for the channel? Yeah. So, look, there's a couple of different sort of approaches you can take here. I have not worked a lot with. I've not worked at all yet with LinkedIn CTV, but I do know that that's going to give you the job title industry kind of targeting that. LinkedIn people and LinkedIn land love. Um, in uh, the platform I use, which I'm not going to name because I obviously know that a lot of company, a lot of people drop a lot of uh, vendors here, but essentially it's a lot of intent-based targeting uh, at the end of the day. And then there's also a retargeting component, which I really, really love. So uh, you can basically retarget off of, you know, first party data, your website, things like that. But also if you have like like large lists. If you if you have a research team and they're researching accounts and they and they can you know help source email addresses and things like that nature, you can literally load that up and it will cross reference it. Like there's no iOS 14 limitation to CTV. I think that's the key distinction to make for people who worry about the limitations of targeting. It can go look across um, platforms and things like that to go find people. So we're loading. Essentially, we're they, this this particular use case I have. They have a great research team who is able to source actual people and email addresses, things like that. Um, they're already touching them with other aspects. I mean, they're even using like direct mail. Obviously, we have other digital channels we're using, but you know, we're loading this up into the CTV platform. We're able to retarget off of that. And essentially, that's its own bucket that we're targeting with. And then there's obviously the there's a, a cold targeting bucket. So we're distinguishing between the two. So that's how we're approaching the targeting parameter. So essentially, we're evenly distributing the budget across both of those. The cold targeting parameter is much larger. It's about uh, 250,000 to 300,000, although I would argue you could go up to 600,000 if you want. Um, and it's interesting, like it's basically all the stuff that companies that, that that you know, intent like ABM companies essentially charge you $100,000 a year for basically comes out the box with CTV. So, you know, when you think about those companies who want to charge you 100K so you can run display ads uh, and plug it into your Salesforce, you can basically do about... 70 to 75% of that on CTV if you want to just use it for advertising and get essentially the same effect. Brings me back to when you had native account targeting on Facebook in like 2015, 16, 17, and companies were buying Terminus to run display ads at the same time. And there was just yeah. a, a much more effective channel that required no tech and just works natively out of the box. And people just sometimes don't see those opportunities for whatever reason. Right. And then the one thing with the intent targeting is, is you, is it's just like anything else you can do layer targeting. Uh, you can, they, they can find specific job titles. It's a pretty powerful actually platform in terms of finding industries and finding uh, employee, uh, employee bands and in finding uh, revenue bands and in finding specific like job titles and stuff like that. So, I mean, it uses a lot of different intent data from a lot of different intent sources. You kind of have to decide for yourself what you trust the most. But basically, you're able to just layer a bunch of in intent parameters to create a cold target layer if you want to do that. And that's essentially what we did as a starting point. And we have tweaked it over time and over time as we've seen certain you know segments perform better than others.
Yeah, and just to be clear, there's no LinkedIn-like targeting for cold where you have job title, company, company size, that those types of pr- targeting parameters. You can't target individual companies, um, and you can't target individual job titles. It's more like band. So it's like business yeah. owners or doctors or stuff like that, Understood. right? So, yeah, so there yep. is... There is versions of that for sure, but it's not quite to the level of specificity that you would expect with like a LinkedIn. Yeah. Now, obviously, with LinkedIn CTV, I would expect you would get that layer of granularity if you wanted to get to that. But look, I personally believe LinkedIn cold targeting has a lot of holes in it as well uh-huh. um, that a lot of people who run LinkedIn ads simply overlook. Yeah. I mean, I would say the targeting similar to YouTube based on the way you described it. I'd say YouTube or Facebook right yeah. now. Well, yeah, I, I think I actually yeah. think it's similar to Facebook. If you were to use like Facebook cold targeting versus mm-hmm. TV cold targeting, I think there's a lot of parallels there. Yeah, and just Matt kind of mentioned it, but just to be clear to people, like the Facebook meta um, quote unquote intent data is the one of the most powerful intent data sources that exist, regardless of your company. They have they basically know all the web traffic in the entire world. They know who you are. They know where you go to. Uh, they they just have so much data. Um, and so that targeting, like uh, back in the day, you would target people on Facebook. You would target job titles and companies and interests and things like that. Most people have now moved to a broad match and just let the algorithm run against Facebook. And based on the intent and the objective you're going, the algorithm is better than manual optimization or targeting. And so that's some other interesting learnings. All right. I want to make sure we get into this because this is probably like maybe the main event, quote unquote, but I want to make sure we get the time. Um, we got, so we gotta, we gotta talk through the age old question of the number one thing we know what's going to come up. Okay, Matt. So we're going to do this for, you know, we're going to run an experiment for three months. What are we going to, how are we going to know it's working or not? Yeah. So look, we were looking, we look a lot. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of things, right? We're looking at just lift, lift across the CRM from, from inbound. And that's essentially what I'm looking at. I have the in-platform metrics. Like I I have, you know, like tens of track conversions. I have verified website visits, basically this particular platform ties back to your Google Analytics. If you have your conversions and events set up properly there, you're going to see the conversion tracking. Uh, overall, like this client, since we've been running this, uh, they're, they're total, I mean, this is uh, this is a different company than, than B2B SaaS. It's a fintech company. So they measure revenue and they measure new clients a little bit differently. But essentially their revenue, the quarter we've been running, and this is a very short sales cycle example, okay? Yeah. 21 day sales cycle. So essentially they come in and they close within the same month. So uh, total lifetime originated revenue, Q4 versus Q3, up 69%. Uh, this is this is from inbound. Uh, new clients up 48%. SQLs up 31%. MQLs up 29%. And there's a huge lift across paid search, obviously, especially in branded. And then obviously, we're seeing a plenty of self-report attribution come in through CTV as well. So you've seen that. So people will say TV. Yeah, I've seen. I've seen. I've seen CT. I've seen. They'll call it connected TV. They won't just call it TV. Uh, they'll call it TV ad or television. Yeah. yeah. Or like, or, or advertisement also comes into well uh, a lot as well. So, but yeah, I mean, you definitely see it come in through the SRA. Come on, people. I know. I know people that love my content that are taking the "How did you hear about us?" off of their field in an argument with ops about how many how many but you know fields are on the form. And you're missing all this shit. You're missing all of this good stuff that prevents you from doing these incredible things that are cost effective, that are going to help customers. Self-reported attribution is not the only way. I loved how you laid that out with Lyft and improvements and different things like that. It's powerful. And then the last thing I want to ask is, I, I can't imagine this is a significant allocation of budget yet at this point, right? It's probably 5 10% of the total marketing budget at most. Uh, yeah, it's more like 20-ish percent, 20 to 25%. Like this particular client, values premium placement 
Um, and CTV is one of the most premium placements you can get yeah. as an ad format. So like, you know, we're scaling back from some of the things we're doing on Facebook. So like, you know, yeah. they, they're, they're very bullish on LinkedIn. They also frankly have the research team to do good targeting on LinkedIn. Yeah. So LinkedIn's a big part of the equation. CTV is a big part of the equation. Search is a smaller part of the equation, honestly, because they get so much direct right now anyway. But we've seen huge scores in 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 branded in branded search conversions come through uh, as well. One thing to also bear in mind with uh, with this particular CTV provider I'm talking about is essentially like they only track a conversion when another ad platform doesn't supersede it. So if they like saw the ad on on streaming and then clicked a uh, branded search ad and converted that way, then the actual attribution would go to the branded search ad and not to CTV. So it's there's a little bit of a siphoning. So I, I feel like it's even maybe underplaying some of the conversions that are actually mm, existing. That would happen in what? Facebook back in the day too. Yeah, yeah. So and the other thing, uh, one other aspect I want to talk about in terms of measurement, in terms of effectiveness of the channel for the client to date or the use case to date is uh, this this particular use, this particular person, they use a coefficient to score like the strength of an account that comes in for them as a new customer. Uh, they call it uh, an activation score. That activation score is up 30, was up 33% Q4 compared to Q3. And so far, it's pacing to be up a little bit from Q4 so far. So like, there's definitely a lot of like total message resonance. They understand more what the product is, what it does, how it benefits them. They see customer stories that give them a lot of trust that this that this company is credible as well because this company competes against a lot of uh, uh, predatory sorts of uh, uh, sorts of competition that exists out there. So there's just a lot of credence led to the brand uh, running CTV, and it's uh, uh, and and we all have have believed to date that it has helped immensely in, in that regard. What type of budget would a company need to consider to think about just booting this up? How do you, how would yeah, you think so about like, that? Yeah, so like normally, I mean, I saw LinkedIn was saying like, you know, a $60,000 pilot. Uh, we're spending 10K a month and we have not moved off that since we've started. And uh, we obviously could move move uh, move up or down if we needed to. But I, I'd say you need to at least start with, I'd say 8K if you want to do yeah. that per month. But you can move it up or down based on the results that you're getting. But again, I, I really strongly feel CTV is additive. You need to have performance marketing working for you on some other channels before you just layer in CTV, you know? But yeah, no, you're totally right. You have to work your strategies across the whole customer life cycle. And connected TV is typically in demand creation, right? You're using it. And so if you don't have the pieces downstream to then convert that pipeline into revenue, and when they get to your website, the messaging is on point, and you convert them. There's a, a variety of things in the system where you just can't start with connected TV if you don't have a lot of the foundational elements, which I think is a really critical point that you just made. Cool, man. Uh, this has been incredibly insightful. I know the listeners are going to love it. As part of the show, what we normally do at the last five or 10 minutes when we're coming up on that is pass it over to you. So if you have a couple of topics related to this that you want to talk through with me, you can kind of drive the topics or questions for the last couple of minutes. Oh man, see, I didn't, I, I always know you do this and I forget. And so I didn't even think about it. I did so much. It is so much work just painting notes for this, uh, this particular conversation. All right. Yeah. So I'll look, you're moving to, uh, you obviously just, just launched a new company with, 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 with Passetto. I think, I think it's, I think it'd be interesting for, for people who have frankly been following you for a long time to distinguish kind of where Passetto fits in your mind for B2B go to market versus kind of where Refine Labs, the first company you founded fits uh, in yeah. the b2b demand mix amazing question i was thinking about this this morning i was thinking about it in a pretty in a pretty interesting angle i don't actually know how i got here but what i was thinking about was that between 2000 you know early 2019 when i started refine labs 
the movement that I was evangelizing was a transition from lead gen to demand gen, or from lead gen to demand creation. And at the beginning of that journey, most people thought I was full of shit. Most people resisted the stuff that I was talking about. I didn't get a lot of likes on my content, and that the opin- my opinion about where the market needed to move was uh, was not really recognized. It's hard to look back now and see it because it's best practice and industry standard and everybody knows about it five years later. But I want to remind people at the beginning that most people didn't believe in the things that I talk about that most people commonly accept at this point now, five years later. And that transition was around moving from lead gen to demand gen or having a full stack, you know, digital and demand strategy across demand creation, capture, conversion. And I recognized this morning that I'm in the same position that I was five years ago, but I'm evangelizing a different change now. And the change that I'm evangelizing is moving companies from lead-based to account-based, moving companies from siloed departments to an integrated go-to-market team, moving companies from siloed analytics and marketing attribution to looking at all your go-to-market investments holistically, to be able to make strategic decisions around where we should go. And I'm pushing against the current best practices that companies use simply because it's clear when I interact with a lot of companies that what they have available to them right now and the way that they look at the stuff doesn't lead to good, confident decisions. And so I I know I when I feel this sort of resistance relative to my message, I know that I'm on the right track, but I also know that I'm early. And I think that it'll take some time for people to really see how it de- how this vision develops. My, my vision for Pasetto is that every executive on the go-to-market team, including the CEO and the CFO, and all the the revenue leaders and rev ops should all be looking at the exact same data calculated in the exact same way across their entire go-to-market engine. And that sole source of data looked at in a variety of ways should be the core driver of how you think about your strategy and move forward. Just like a company has a P&L and all the executives can look at it and make decisions based off of it across the entire business. We just don't have that in go-to-market right now. Marketing has their own reports. They look at their own metrics. SDR data is largely not tracked, surprisingly. And sales has their own metrics and benchmarks like that. And then you have CS and AM. Um, and with the influenced revenue reporting from marketing and different things like that, you it's just very difficult to make bold strategic decisions around what you're trying to get to. And so the way that I see basically the differences here is Pasetto One, we're a tech-enabled service right now, which might make it a little bit confusing for people, but the plan is to build software. And so we're planning to have, like, we have a proof of concept Salesforce integration. We've proven this out with 30 customers manually. We have a great process. We'll build a front-end UI. We'll start moving forward in that way. We just need a bridge because we're bootstrapping. This is what you do if you want to build a company without raising VC, which is something that I'm really interested in doing. Um, so you got to use services as a way to learn what customers need exactly to fine tune the product while you build the product and the, and the revenue model rather than raising money. Another core distinction is, is looking at the whole go to market versus looking at how to optimize your digital programs. And so, and both of them are necessary, but the altitude and the way that you're looking at it is very different. Um, Paceto is also a consultancy. Um, and so we're, like, we're not going to be running ads. We're not going to be making outbound calls. We're not going to be making changes in Salesforce. Um, that is not the, the way. And so our preference is that we have complementary, uh, great, you know, thought leading companies in different spaces that can help our customers with specific things across rev ops, demand, brand and creative category design. 
and we have partners that can that are you know industry leading for the execution parts of when we identify with data that our customers really need help in those areas. Um, and so that's how I see the symbiotic relationship working between the companies that I think will be incredibly beneficial both for the team, for shareholders, and for our customers overall. And so those are those those are some of the key ways that I see it. And I recognize that the story needs to develop a little bit more, but it's really about the the change that you're championing in order to allow Refine Labs to continue to make such a dramatic impact on the market and the space and the people that it is. Um, you almost need to have a separate entity to to uh, go and and try and tackle a new change from the ground up where you're going to face a lot of resistance. It's we yeah, it's just so that for brand clarity and market clarity was one of the core rationales as to why we made the decision. Gotcha. I got one more question. Keep it going, uh, dude. One thing I've been on my high horse about recently is, and I've been dealing with this even with uh, with with clients I've been talking to, is not leveraging their first party data enough as a core component of their content strategy. And this is something that we did at Refine Labs with the Vault, right? And so my my question to you is why do so many companies who are software companies who basically collect a lot of first party data, why do they struggle so much to leverage that into a core component of their content strategy and marry it against their POV? Like I I just I, I see this happen a lot. Um, and I'm just I'm struck by it because I feel like a lot of companies or I feel I feel like good longitudinal data actually gets people's attention. This has been this people are conditioned. People are conditioned this way. They look at sports stats or political polls or like, you know, or like clinical research studies. And like these things convince them that this is the way forward, right? Yet I see a lot of B2B tech companies who sort of fail to see that kind of trend across how people are, how people have their have aha moments or they have their shift in their pattern. Why do you think so many companies struggle with this? It's all about the metrics. If the met if the 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 metrics around content are related to mostly to MQL downloads, and the that metric is not correlated with making an impact for your target customer, it's almost you're almost competing with one another. In order to get more downloads, you have to make broader, more general stuff that applies to more people, and that's where you get like this very specialized cybersecurity company making making a blog about like the most general basic stuff inside of cybersecurity so they can get 5,000 people to download it. Cause if they made it for their target customer, they'd only get a hundred downloads and those hundred downloads would likely be more valuable and the content would be way better. So one of it is one part of it is the metrics. The second part is the feedback loop. B2B companies have no feedback loop of insights from customers about whether the content actually is good or not. They put it out, they get a download, and then they consider it successful, not measuring whether the buyer actually read it, whether the it made an impact for the buyer, whether the buyer shared it with somebody else. And that's why like, I, I love social, because social exposes the, the quality and the audience reaction to your content immediately. If you're posting stuff and you're getting no engagement and no shares and no comments and stuff like that in LinkedIn, you know it immediately. Your company page gets no likes. Your CEO sees that clearly. But you could have the exact same piece of content in an ebook and hide behind a number of downloads that you got through like a Google paid search or some other performance marketing or a lead gen form where people don't even really know what they're downloading, but will submit the form. And those are really the core differences. If we want to have if we want to see these changes as leaders or as professionals, we have to look at the core fundamentals and first principles about why we why this stuff happens in the first place. Um, and I think that generally we just incentivize the wrong behaviors when it comes to content. I would agree with that. Right on, dude. 
I want to thank you so much. I learned a bunch here, man. I also want to thank you for how much you're doing for Refine Labs. You're doing an awesome job. Uh, congrats on your promotion again, dude. Really deserve it. You've been, I remember so long ago when we were doing Demand Gen Live and you were working and just to see your progression as a professional has been uh, really incredible and something that makes me feel really fulfilled. So uh, keep up the great Appreciate work, man. That. Yeah. I got, I, got, I got to be honest. I owe a, a, a large a large stake of the trajectory of my career to following you and yeah, dude. if not thousands of marketers, I'm sure feel the same way, but I, I kind of feel like I'm the sort of the, the use case, like the, the, the kind of the person it, that a, yeah. a lot of people look to. So I, I, I take that, I take that kind of seriously, but, um, but yeah, no, I definitely owe a lot of where I'm at to, to your principles and maybe really think a lot more as a marketer and especially being inside here and, and seeing how, how B2B SaaS companies work. It's just, sort of continued to work that muscle. So, you know, just appreciate the opportunity you gave me a couple of years ago. And, you know, I really feel like I'm just getting started largely. I love it, dude. Thanks so much. Great to see you, Matt. Thanks for being on the show too. The listeners, thank you. Thanks for all the insights. We'll see you again soon, man.